marketing is supporting sales and sales also supports marketing. Unfortunately, at a lot of places, like I said, it's kind of like shouting into that echo chamber and nobody's answering. The sales team is saying, hey, where are the leads? Hey, we need help. Hey, we've got this. And marketing's just like, oh, we did a campaign and we put out some social ads. Cool. We're done. And there's no real cohesion. There's no overall marketing strategy. There's no cohesion in messaging. Marketing, a lot of times, isn't even segmenting their lists. And so they're marketing to people that are already customers. And it's kind of just a a really mixed bag of results because neither side is really working well together. And there sometimes is a little hostility there. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. How closely do you work with your sales departments and how can marketing and sales do a better job of supporting each other's objectives? That's what we're discussing today with a man who has a BA in cinema and communications and an obscure movie quote for just about any situation. He's one of the most in-demand speakers at digital marketing and automotive conferences all over the world and is Chief Operating Officer at Search Lab, a boutique marketing agency specialising in local SEO and PBC. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, Greg Gifford. Hey, how are you, my friend? I'm very good. Thank you, Greg. Well, you can find Greg over at searchlabdigital.com. So, Greg, what is an obscure movie quote that alludes to how effectively sales and marketing teams tend to work together? So it's not super obscure, at least in the U.S. It's not. Uh, But I would go with the quote from the beginning of Ferris Bueller's Day Off where Ben Stein and his awesome Ben Stein style is calling roll at the beginning of the movie and Ferris is not in class and he just continues to say, Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. And he's just shouting into the echo chamber and nobody's answering. Because I think that's typically how things work between sales and marketing in most organizations, unfortunately. <laughs> I was just wondering what the thread there was, but I completely get it there. It has been a while since I've seen that movie. Is that late 80s, I'm thinking? Yep, yep. Late 80s. Uh, I think 86, if I'm remembering correctly. Wow. But uh, yeah, super, super classic, awesome movie. Lots of fun ones in that one. Great quotes. So what are sales marketing doing well in terms of working together and what do they need to do a little bit better? Well, at organizations where they do work well together, it's kind of a cohesive process. It's the same thing. It's just different sides of that same coin. And everyone's working together to row the boat in the same direction. Marketing is supporting sales and sales also supports marketing. Unfortunately, at a lot of places, like I said, it's kind of like shouting into that echo chamber and nobody's answering. The sales team is saying, hey, where are the leads? Hey, we need help. Hey, we've got this. And marketing's just like, oh, we did a campaign and we put out some social ads. Cool. We're done. And there's no real cohesion. There's no overall marketing strategy. There's no cohesion in messaging. Marketing, a lot of times, isn't even segmenting their lists. And so they're marketing to people that are already customers. And it's kind of just a a really mixed bag of results because 
neither side is really working well together and there sometimes is a little hostility there. Okay, it sounds like there's a lot that can be improved on there. Is it nothing at all that they're doing well in terms of working together at the moment? Well, I mean, like, it, at certain places, like, for, for us, it's a really big goal to have one cohesive strategy and marketing and sales are the same team. It's not a walled garden where they're separate because it doesn't make sense. And for us... Uh, particularly we do a lot of event-based marketing. So we're out at conferences with either just speakers or speakers and booths or just with a booth. And so with as many events as we have going on, it's incredibly important that marketing sales are aligned because you're going to have the sales team at the event and the marketing team needs to have the right kind of collateral, the right kind of swag. They need to let them know where the booth is, what's going on. The sales team needs to know what's going on. And then you've got the not event-based marketing, where it's email campaigns, SEO, PPC, social ads, all of those different things going on, but they need to have a direction. You can't just be saying, hey, we're putting ads out. Hey, we're putting social posts out. Hey, we're doing an email campaign without a direction or a theme and without input from the sales team and without knowing what the sales team's trying to do. Because most places have more than a single product or service. So which ones are you going after? You can't just throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and mention everything that you do and hope that the one thing that somebody needs is going to resonate. You have to to segment that and do it the right way. So a lot of teams that do it right do think about those things. The sales team is helping the marketing team inform the direction. and The marketing team is helping the sales team qualify the right kinds of people to go after. So let's dive into the specific event-based uh, marketing, um, sales marketing opportunity uh, that you highlighted there that you're currently doing with um, Search Lab. Now, what do sales marketing teams need to do beforehand in order, in terms of communication to plan to take best advantage of that type of opportunity to work most effectively together? That's a really great question. So one of the things that we do in particular is we have a lot of pre-event and post-event marketing that goes out because if you're going to invest in sending people to an event, whether you're just sending a speaker, maybe you don't even have a, a presence other than having a speaker there, or maybe you only have a booth in the expo area and you don't have a speaker, that's two totally different ways that you need to market your presence at that event. And then if you have a speaker and you have a booth, again, completely different situation there. So you need to let people know beforehand that you're going to be at the event and in what capacity. And then afterwards, you need to market that you were at the event to the people that were there and maybe didn't make it by to see you. Or maybe the people that had a brief conversation, or if you're lucky enough to be at an event that has badge scanners, okay, you scanned all the badges of the people that were there having conversations. That's a different marketing strategy, different things you need to do. Uh, then you've got people that maybe actually did a demo at your uh, at your booth or at your area, and that needs different follow-up. And then maybe some events, if you're getting a booth at certain levels, you'll get an attendee list of everyone that was at the event, and you need to market to that. And you need to coordinate between sales and marketing what those things are that are going on so that sales knows what to say when they're talking to these people. Because if marketing does outreach before the event and somebody reaches back out and is interested in talking, the sales team needs to know, hey, this came from a thing saying, hey, come see us at the at the booth. So now you're going to talk to this person differently because you know they're going to be at the event and it's not just some random inbound lead. 
If it's after the event, you need to know what marketing was saying so that if someone does re-engage, the sales team knows how to approach it the right way. The sales team also needs to communicate with marketing to say, all right, for this kind of event, we did this event last year, here's what worked really well, here's the messaging that really resonated, let's kind of focus our marketing efforts around that. Because if marketing's just doing everything in a vacuum, they don't have that input from sales to say, hey, look, we had you know three pieces of print collateral at the booth and two of them we ran out of and one of them we didn't hardly give any out. What, let's figure out what worked or didn't work there. And you have this constant reiterative process of doing everything you can to have both sides working together to make the next event even more successful. I love that the fact that you mentioned actually market the fact that you were at the event. I think many brands are perhaps guilty of attending an event or even speaking at an event or exhibiting at an event and then it's over. You know, as soon as the event is over, then the opportunity to market is perhaps over. But that's not necessarily the case. And in the past, you know, I've gone to events, uh, either spoken at events, attended an events, exhibited, and um, had a list of attendees, and then actually created a piece of content as a result of being at the event, maybe interviewed people, or maybe just created a blog post about the event, and then use the opportunity to tell the attendees about the event, about the summary of the event, and then have the opportunity to build sales as a result of doing that. Is that something like what you're thinking of there or are you thinking of something else? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, you know, we do a lot of video content and uh, actually I have a, a, you know this, the people listening probably don't, I have a weekly video series that I've been doing for years and at certain events, not every single one, but certain big ones like Brighton SEO, I come over a couple times a year to the UK and do, I always do it there. Uh, we just had a really big automotive conference in the US a couple weeks ago, and I will always do some sort of video content around that event. And then a couple of weeks after the event, boom, we release that video content. And that way it's something exciting that at the event, you can kind of pump it up and people see you recording the content and they'll want to watch it later. And it's always a lot of times interviews with different experts there. So those people will want to see what they said and the final product. And it gives you a chance to do more marketing around that event after the event. And it shows people that you were there and that you were active. It gets people re-engaged because it's not just a dumb marketing piece saying, hey, come buy my stuff again, because people get inundated with that all the time. You have to have a different approach. So for us on both the sales and the marketing side, we like the softer touch where it's things to get you interested. And then, oh, hey, by the way, if you're interested in talking to us, we'll also talk to you about this product or service, not just, hey, we sell this, hey, we sell this, hey, we sell this, because people get blind to that and deaf to that pretty quickly, and they're not going to pay attention. And especially with longer sales cycles as well. Many marketers listening to this are from big enterprise brands or B2B brands have longer sales cycles. And you have to have some type of content to continue to build your authority without overtly selling what you do. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's where a lot of people that, uh, you know, I speak all over the world at a ton of conferences. I spoke at 32 conferences last year in person. And I run into a lot of people that say, wow, you speak at all these events. Why, you know, how do you do that? You're not back at the office doing work. Well, yeah, I do work on the road. And a lot of times I'm flying in and flying back out in less than 24 hours. But a lot of businesses don't see the advantage to that because they think you're just gone from the office. Because they're not doing the marketing around it, you don't have to have a booth presence in the expo area to have marketing value of being at an event. There's a lot of events that I go to speak where we don't have a booth but it doesn't mean we're not doing marketing around making sure that butts are in seats 
for my talk. We want to let people know, hey, this is what time Greg is talking. Or we've got two other really phenomenal speakers. Mark Irvin is world-renowned PPC expert. And our director of the SEO department, Dane Seville, is an amazing speaker. And the guy actually does wrestling in real life. So he's really dynamic on stage. And so whenever we have any of the three of us out speaking at an event, we're going to do pre-show marketing to let people know, hey, Mark or Greg or Dane is speaking at this time in this room. Make sure you're there. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. And then after the event, a lot of times we'll do a recording of that presentation, throw it up on our site, and then we can send it out and say, hey, if you were at the event and you missed it, or hey, maybe you didn't make it to the event, here's a copy of the presentation so that you don't miss out on the awesome info that we shared. And that way you're you're able to do some marketing around these speaker-only events and still get a lot of value out of them. And what about marketing and sales creating an overarching strategy for the coming year? Is that something that they both need to be in the same room together, hashing it out together? Um, is it sufficient, for example, just to sit together maybe for half an hour um, and then go into their separate identities to uh, formalize exactly what they're going to do individually? So what does that strategic process look like? I mean, it depends on the size of your organization. You know, if you've got a, a fairly large marketing team and a fairly large sales team, you don't want to put everybody in the room because it's mass chaos. A lot of times you just kind of want those key decision makers and leadership in the room. And whether it's 30 minutes or whether it's half a day or a day, depends on what you're doing and how much work there is and how much you have to suss out. You know, we don't necessarily at Search Lab go for a whole year in advance. We know pretty far ahead of time which events we're going to have uh, a table or a booth at. And we know typically at least six months ahead of time which events we're going to have a speaker. But that doesn't mean we're going to plan out the whole year. A lot of times it's almost more like kind of per quarter because maybe it's, hey, this, this section of events is all automotive focused because we have a lot of car dealer clients. So the marketing and sales messaging will all be around automotive for this section in time. Or, hey, we got a bunch of healthcare stuff coming up that's going to do, uh, you know, uh, one healthcare push. But, hey, we got a couple of automotive shows in there, too. Let's do that. Or, hey, we're going to be at PubCon and we've got two or three different speakers at PubCon in Austin next week. So let's do some marketing to just let people know. You want to learn more about this? Go to this session. You want to learn more about this? Go to this session. So... And again, for us, we do so many events, it is a little bit more centered on the events. And then we've got other marketing to kind of support the the time in between and the overarching things. And, you know, you've got the drip campaigns for people that have interacted with you and all that. For other businesses, maybe you're not as event focused, so it wouldn't take as much. You're talking more about, okay, we're creating some marketing, whether it's, you know, direct mail stuff or online digital marketing, and it needs to support our sales goals and our sales goals are X and Y. So what do we need to do to get there? What's that going to be? Maybe you can handle that in 30 minutes. But with us, we've got all the events. We've got all the speakers aside from the events. We've got our regular marketing going on. So it is a little bit more in-depth for us. What are some key metrics that your sales teams need to know about your marketing teams and what they're doing? And also the other way around, what your marketing team needs to know what your sales team are up to? That's a great question. So I have a kind of a... I'm a spreadsheet nerd. I love working in Google Sheets and in Excel. So we basically will plug in to my plug and play kind of budgeting slash marketing slash sales ideation sheet. 
to say, all right, what are our sales goals for the year? Okay, we know that we want to be at X million dollars in recurring revenue for SEO and Y in recurring revenue for paid search at the end of this year. Here's where we're starting in both of those. So if we want to get from you know X to Y and from A to B, here's our standard close percentage on demos. And for our, well, here's our standard demo percentage on leads, like how many people will book a, actually book and show up for a demo off of the leads that we get. And then what's our close percentage of, for all the people that sit through a demo, how often are we closing them and it turns into business? So then we could do some really complicated math in there to say, all right, cool, if this is where we're starting and here's where we wanna end up, we know we need to sell this many so that number is Z. We need to sell Z number of new clients to get to our goal by the end of the year. We break that up by month, but we also have to account for churn because you are gonna lose some clients here and there, especially now with the recession. People are very price conscious, so you have to account for churn as well, which then gives you a final number that says, here's how many you actually have to sell. And if we know our demo to lead, or lead to demo and demo to close percentage, that then also spits out a number of, okay, here's how many qualified leads you need to get. So now at the beginning of the year, when we have our annual planning meeting, we plug in those goals and boom, it spits something out that says, this is how many leads you need to get this year to hit your goals. Assuming that churn is at a certain level and your close percentage stays the same, then marketing can back into that and say, we need to get this many leads. We've got data from previous years of, okay, we've done a show. Here are the marketing strategies and tactics we've used around a particular event. Here are the lead output that we got out of that, the demo output of that, and the client output that we got out of that. So now we can say, okay, cool. We're going back to this automotive conference in Tampa that we've done for the last several years. We know what our standard output is. If that's enough to meet our quota or our goal for what we need to achieve for this year, then cool. We know we've done the things before. We could do them again and be successful. Or hey, Maybe we need to juice it a little bit. We didn't get quite as many leads as we wanted last year, and we know we need to get more this year. So let's do these things to improve on our performance from last year. And we're also taking a whole lot of notes at each event of, you know, how many we, we do really cool custom socks. We do hats. We do some other cool swag giveaways, depending on what vertical we're in. So we track how many... uh giveaway merchandise type things we're sending to the event, how many were left over at the end. We're tracking how many pieces of print collateral that we have, because we have a brochure, we have a one sheet, we have a question sheet. We typically will have some sort of a postcard to let people know what time somebody's speaking. So we're tracking all of that because it's not just, hey, let's order 200 for every event. It's let's figure out the right number for that event so we're not wasting money on specific things. We know what we've done pre-show. We know what we've done during the show. We know what we've done post-show. So for us, it kind of becomes this machine of now, like I said, it's just a constantly reiterative process of what can we do to tweak and get a little bit better from what we did last time. I thought to begin with, you were leading to the age-old challenge between sales and marketing of marketing saying salespeople just aren't converting anything and um, salespeople saying marketing are just providing rubbish leads. Is that the most common argument between sales and marketing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear that all the time where the, there it, it's when you have that walled garden where the marketing team says, hey, it's just our job to get you leads. And the sales team says, you got to get us good leads because you can send us 100 leads a week. But if 95 of those are crap leads, you're only really giving us five leads a week. So for us, that's really important. And we had, we actually 
in the annual planning meeting that we had in January this year, we spent a, a long time actually figuring out what our lead process is and what do we count as just a lead or a marketing qualified lead or a sales qualified lead because those are three different things. And we want to make sure that the marketing team is sending qualified leads to the sales team because otherwise, again, it's throwing the spaghetti at the wall. Let's just do a bunch of marketing and we'll get some leads. And it's the same thing that digital marketers say to their clients. Oh, hey, man, your lead count's way up. Like, if you're not selling more, that's not my problem. Your SEO is working or your PPC is working. But no, it matters. Are they leads that are potential buyers or is it just a bunch of crap leads and there's no way those people are ever going to buy? You have to think that way, too, in your own internal systems. We want to make sure it's qualified leads and we want to make sure that it's potential to turn into business or it's not really a lead. So ne not necessarily thinking about what we've been talking about so far with sales and marketing. What's the number one thing marketers need to incorporate into their strategy? Man, I think the thing that I see that's wrong the most often is people just think I have to do activities. It's I need to be sending out an email. I need to be putting out stuff on social. I need to be doing SEO. I need to just create content for the sake of content. I need to create videos. I need to do all of these things that you see on other podcasts and webinars and read online. But it's not about doing a lot of activities. It's about making sure that the activities that you are doing are effective. Uh, you know, with email marketing, a lot of people are like, oh, here's my email list. Let me send this message out. No, segment the list first. Send the appropriate marketing message to the people that are at the right part of their buying journey so that it resonates with them and they'll let you know, hey, yes, I am interested in talking to you about buying your product or service. That's where a lot of people miss out. They're just chunking out the same message. And even like looking at paid ads on social, if you're going to pay for ads on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and LinkedIn and all the different places that you can buy ads, all ads are not created equal. The kind of ads that you put on TikTok don't necessarily work on Facebook and those don't necessarily work the same on Instagram and those don't work the same as Twitter ads. And that's not the same as your display and remarketing ads for your site. So you really have to be more specific and more purposeful in your marketing strategy if you want to be successful. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Greg Gifford over at searchlabdigital.com and by checking out his own podcast, Suds and Search. Greg, thanks so much for being on the Strategic Marketing Show. Hey, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple to connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. InsightsforProfessionals.com